Tell Duck. Clients don't understand. Their success is related to standing out, not fitting in. It's a fad. Paint him a picture. Uh, something like, one wants to be the needle in the haystack, not a haystack. Donald, isn't it possible that the recently weaned have some unique perspective? Joy, enthusiasm. You're talking as if there's some fresh version of us. They're not. Young people don't know anything, especially that they're young. Huh. Well, let me set this in a more appealing context for you. Prove them wrong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of A Thing Like That, a podcast about Mad Men. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Michael Levito. And I'm your other host, Kathleen Levito. Today, we're going to talk about Season 2, Episode 1, For Those Who Think Young. Kathleen, any thoughts on this episode? That rhymed, and I thought that was just a thing that you <laughs> did. I didn't realize that that was, like, a thing. Um, yeah. As in a thing meaning the title of the episode. Right. This one was cute. It's Valentine's Day. You get to see lots of things happen and lots of rumors get spread. Or not, I don't think they're rumors, but lots of like, eh, kind of rumors. Yeah, like lots of that. gossiping, I suppose. Is the, It's not really rumors, it's gossiping. Um the the Dawn storyline in this one I'm a little like I didn't really understand but we'll get to that okay like his his um, progression with the ad hmm yes yeah. interesting I think it's a continuation from what we saw in the last episode of season one that's what I'm thinking but we can get more into that as we get into it okay um, so I'll run through the synopsis again the episode for those who think young Directed by Tim Hunter, written by Matthew Weiner and Robin Veith. And uh, so, this is an episode of a lot of stuff going on, so I'll try to keep this short. But basically, opens up with these shots of everybody getting ready for the day, and then Don at the doctor, where he is given a prescription for hypertension and, quote, relaxation. He lies about how much he drinks and how much he smokes. Also, the doctor doesn't tell him that he's killing himself, basically. Mm-hmm. Um Later, Don gets lunch at a bar, and he talks to a bohemian-looking fellow who's reading Frank O'Hara's Meditations in an Emergency. Don asks how it is. He says, oh, I don't think you'd like it. Meanwhile, at the office, the creative team, which now includes Peggy, wait for Don to come to their meeting. Peggy asks where he is, asks Don's new secretary where he, yeah, asks Don's new secretary, Lois, where Don is, and she says he's, quote, at the movies and kind of smiles. And Peggy gets very offended and tells her to keep secrets, you know, thinking that she's breaking some kind of trust between the secretary and Don. Um, and then the, while she's doing that, all the guys in the creative meeting speculate about Peggy's weight loss. Apparently she's been gone for a few months, or like a month or so, and she's of course lost a lot of weight. Um, they of course don't know that she had a child. Uh, Don shows up, they talk about an ad for Mohawk Airlines. Don says, don't be funny, he, you, you need to evoke travel, adventure the unknown, and most of all, attractive airline stewards is. Uh, Meanwhile, Betty's been riding horses with her friend, and they ogle a young, attractive man. There's also on a horse. Um, they talk about him a little bit. His fiance is a horse rider, and um, so he's taking up the hobby as well. She comes home to find a Valentine that Sally made Don, says she'll give it to Don. Meanwhile, Duck Phillips, the newest member of Sterling Cooper team, tells Ryder that they need to hire more young people for the Martin's Coffee Sea campaign. Coffee Sea. 
Martin's coffee campaign, and Roger tells Don that Cooper wants more young people instead of Duck. But Don knows that it actually is Duck and thinks young people aren't worth the trouble, but Roger tells him to prove Duck wrong. That evening, Don and Betty go to the Savoy, it's Valentine's Day, where they run into Betty's old roommate Juanita, who's with an older man. Betty's kind of all like, can you imagine dating at our age, even though she's like 27? And Don's like, uh, I think she's a quote, party girl. Um, they go upstairs, they start to have sex, but Don has trouble rising to the occasion, if you will. And so they order service, room service and watch the Jackie Kennedy tour of the White House. And we, after that, we get a bunch of different uh, scenes of different couples, their Valentine's Day evenings, including Sal and his wife. Sal was wondering where John F. Kennedy is on the TV set. Sal was married. Yeah. Um, Joan and Greg. And then Pete and Trudy. Um, Pete's brought Trudy chocolates, but she's bummed about Harry's wife, Jennifer, getting pregnant. She still isn't. And instead of watching the Jackie Kennedy thing, Pete's watching cartoons. <clears throat> or at least it's implied by the sound effects. Um next day, Don interviews Smitty and Kurt, a writing team, who's kind of baffle him, their, their partnership, um, and he kind of looks at them suspiciously, and they kind of look at him suspiciously, but it seems like they're going to hire him. Don and Doc talk about the whole youth thing. Don says he's not into it. Peggy, Sal, and Don talk about the Mohawk campaign, and Don decides to move from this kind of sexy direction to a more sentimental direction, using the Valentine from Sally as a guide. Also, there's a new Xerox machine in the office, and Joan can't figure out what to do with it. And she's also kind of back to flirting with Roger, even though she is dating now Greg the Doctor, who is very clearly played by a different guy who actually ends up playing Greg throughout the rest of the series. Yeah, I think that's what confused me about yeah, that. Yeah. Um, Joan and Lois talk about the whole Don and Peggy thing, and Joan ends up putting the copier in Peggy's office. Everyone's congratulating Harry because he's going to be a dad. They talk about the new Clear Cell ad campaign and the whole youth movement in the office. Uh, Betty is driving down a dark wooded road later on, to go pick up Sally from ballet, but her car breaks down. She gets another car to go get the ESO guy to come. She doesn't have to only pay for the spare part. She kind of flirts with the guy to not have to pay full price. Meanwhile, Don comes home, eats Bobby's dinner. Um, Carla's all like, yeah, Betty went to pick up Sally. Then they get home. Betty lies about why they're late, and Sally does her ba ballet moves, and that's the end of the episode. Yes? Yeah. I hate that scene with the, like, the yeah. car repairman. It's very uncomfortable. It's super And it's also, like, I feel like he knows that she's, like, I don't think he's tricked by her. No. Do you get the sense that, she, like, he's seduced? Or is he just like, oh, God, this is really depressing? I, I think, I think he's just kind of like, uh, okay. Like, yeah. I, I think he's like, all right, like, we're just kind of having fun here. Like, yeah. I don't think he actually was expecting to get laid or anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But we'll talk about why maybe why she did that. Um, when we talk about our theme, what's our theme, Kathleen? Youth, time passing. <laughs> Newness and youth. Newness and youth. Um, the most obvious manifestation of that is, of course, the drive from Duck to get more young blood into the company, even though, you know, people like Paul and Ken and Peggy, Peggy, you know, she's only 22, they're already very young. Yeah, but like, he, what are they looking for? I think the implication is they're looking for, like, not a... They're looking for like a, a more bohemian sort of like mm -hmm. outsider voice, yeah. right? They're they're not looking for someone who is used to writing for like you know Sterling Cooper. They want an outside perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Paul has, from Hawk Airlines. He has all these like humorous ideas for it that everyone seems kind of like tired of, and they seem kind of recycled. Um, and so they want someone to like directly appeal to the youth market. I guess is what they're looking for. Um, and there's a lot of newness too. Like the earliest sign of newness is the Xerox machine, right? Yeah. This new thing that Duck buys, 
supposed to make the secretary's life easier, and yet Joan can't figure out what to do with it, right? So this newness, while ostensibly a good thing, is kind of a little burdensome, because you don't really know what to do with it at first. You know what's going to fit into the change of character of any room or any office. Um, and I feel like that's kind of a microcosm of how newness is treated throughout this show, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, the whole point is, like, is the 60s is a time of great social change and turmoil, and new ideas and new people are treated with skepticism. And, and I feel like this is sort of, like, the first time things really start to change in the office. And when you see, you know, like, the first sort of, like, bits of, like, bohemianism and the counterculture start to seep into the office, which will become much, much more pronounced in later seasons. Yeah. Um, so I just had the thought of, remember in the episode where Roger has the heart attack? Yes. And then um, Joan has to type up the letter to all the part to all the clients. Mm -hmm. Did she have to do each one by hand? No. Did she? Honestly, I doubt it. I know that like <laughs> in, I know that in typewriters you could like yeah, you copy have, things. Yes, carbon carbon copy things. Yeah. Um, I assume, I hope she didn't. I assume she did not. I, I don't actually know much about the old the olden days <laughs> before email um, and how all that worked. But uh. right, let's figure that out. Also, um, uh, in talking about the photocopier, when they're trying to decide where to put it, it's very like even though it is new and it might be seen as a progressive thing, I know that like in this time of technology, if you have a piece of technology that not everyone else has, that's your calling card, kind of. Mm -hmm. That's what you advertise. Um, but in that, it was just like they proposed putting it in the hallway or like by the entrance, and she's like, no, 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 clients are going to see that. We don't yeah. want that. And um, so that's interesting that it's like, like even the brand newness of it all, and I'm sure it's loud and clunky and all that stuff, so it wouldn't be very attractive to look at. But the the sparkly newness of we're progressing and we're interesting was like nobody needs to see that like this right. is a professional setting that kind of youth culture mm -hmm. that kind of youngness and shininess is not for the right. people we serve well and it's like it was progress but it's not like pretty progress yeah. like you said it's noisy and cumbersome and you know they, they they're very image conscious there right especially joan it is like putting your best foot forward people don't want to see the sausage being made they just want to see the sausage um yeah yeah we get a lot of, like, new stuff going on. Uh, Betty's horse riding is a new thing we haven't really seen before and speak to this, speaks to this new sense of independence she has. Not only the horse riding, but also, of course, the scene in the car. It's kind of hard to think of, like, season one Betty being as forthright and flirtatious with the, the Esso guy as she is in that scene. She's kind of exploring that side of her personality for the first time and kind of, like reaching into the territory that she thinks Dawn is reaching into too and allowing herself to kind of like no longer be this very like uh demure sort of like perfect wife and I feel like this is kind of the start of like Betty the imperfect mother not that she was ever perfect in the first season certainly the first time we see her she's telling Sally to take a garment bag off her head not because she'll suffocate but because that means the clothes are on the floor <laughs> um but this is the I think the first start of like, you know, her her uh, Meryl ability is beginning to take a backseat to the other thing she wants to do. <laughs> yeah. Which to be fair is just making her more equal of Don in that regard. Mm -hmm. Not exactly a present father. Um, speaking of Don, you know, we first see him at the 
doctor's office in this episode. And he's only in his 30s, so he's not that old, but he's also not new. And this idea of him having health problems is actually quite new as well, right? He's always been kind of healthy as a horse. He's giving you pills to take. Um, this is like a new experience for him. It's just not something he's ever had to deal with before. So what does he do? He takes them with liquor. Yes, he does. <laughs> um, the doctor literally asks him any changes in the last year, which implies, you know, hey, what's going on? Um, and, you know, season one, I don't know, outside of reconnecting with Adam, I don't know that you could really say that, like, much changed for him, but much will change. Like, a lot's going to change over the next few seasons, so, yeah. Um, Peggy has a new lease on life, you know. She was not only unwittingly pregnant, um, and also kind of socially hamstrung by her appearance, which is a whole thing, but... You know, she's now had a kid. It's out... Well, we don't know where the kid is, but it's... She doesn't seem concerned about it. And no one is asking questions directly to her face. And she has a new job. She's now a full-time copywriter. So she's kind of getting a do-over and kind of, like, setting off on this new journey. And who knows what horizons it'll open up. And, of course, speaking of youth, she's very young. She says she's only 22. And we'll see her be kind of the voice of, like, younger people as the seasons go on, and she ends up having a lot of good ideas and, and kind of, like, the leader of a lot of the younger people in the office. Um, yeah. And there's problems with the new secretary. Peggy disapproves of the whole movie's comments. Um, there's a supposed lack of discretion. We talk about discretion being an important theme in older episodes. Um, so, yeah. Again, just the, the new sort of, like, the, the, the disruption of newness yeah. with Lois. Which I, makes me think of something that I'm unsure if I want to put here or if I want to put in the spoilers. Okay. So perhaps I'll just save it for the spoilers okay. to be safe. All right. Um, Don, you know, asks the guy reading Meditations in an Emergency about Meditations in an Emergency. Um, and the guy says, oh, I don't think you'd like it. The implication, of course, is that Don is this very clean-cut, brill-creamed guy. He's the old, this bohemian guy reading this, like, fancy poetry is the new. Um, and so there's so this, it, that's what it is. It's poetry. It is, yeah. Who is it um, by? Frank O'Hara. Okay. And I forgot to mention that the last scene in this is actually Don writing "This reminded me of you" in a copy of that book, mm -hmm. and then mailing it to someone. Yeah. Uh, that's actually the last scene. Very important. It'll come back in a, later in the season. Um, but Don wants to be a part of the new, even though he is so much part of the old. And again, another big conflict we'll see throughout. This series is is just that. Like he, you know, I, I think at at his heart is someone who values freedom and things like that, and therefore wouldn't jive with kind of the old way of doing things. And yet he really only knows the old way of doing things, and he likes things to be done his way. So there's kind of a natural conflict there. There's a new man in Jones' life, of course, who will become a big role. Um, Obviously, when it comes to youth, ducks will push for younger people in the market. This copy thing, we kind of talked about that a lot. Like, Schmidt and Schmidt are this new way of doing things. They're a writing also, partnership. Can you explain, like, their other. situation? Like, why was John Don so skeptical? I, so I don't really know. Yeah. I have two theories. One is just, like, the idea of, like, a writing team was new. Yeah. So, like, because he, he says, he's like, you get most of the money, but you still contribute words. It's not like a writer-artist team. Yeah. It's, I think I think Kerr also does the art, but it's like they're a writer team. 
and that that's just kind of like weird to Don. That someone think about Don. He's like the ultimate independent. Yeah. It's weird that someone would would like enter into a union like that, even though Don would be married, um, and share like that. Like that that doesn't really square with like what he's experienced. It's the exact opposite of like an Anne Randian philosophy, right? Which is radical independence, objectives of you don't owe anybody anything else. It's the complete opposite. It's it's not quite collectivism, but it's you know there's there's sort of a common good there. Yeah. Um, there's also, um, I feel like there's a slight implication he might think they're gay. That's what I yeah I that's what I was thinking. Right. Um, is also kind of what I got, and that'll, that'll come back later with one of those characters later in the series. We'll talk about that in spoilers. Um, so that's also kind of what I got. Yeah. And they're also just, they're not making any attempts to appear professional, right? Yeah, no, the one guy's in that chunkiest sweater. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know, I mean, I guess it's February, but, like, the inside, the, the colors inside the office are so warm, mm-hmm. I kept on thinking it was May or something, and he's just in this massive chunky yeah. sweater that's all the way up to his ears. Right, right. It's like, even Paul, who fancies himself a bohemian, yeah. still is in a suit all the time. It's just that he smokes out of a pipe and, like, quotes poetry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Betty and Francine gossiping over Betty's old roommate. Yes, Juanita. Um, Juanita. Um, this, it just cracked me up that Betty is, okay, so, you know, they meet Juanita, and she's with the older man, and Don knows right away what the situation is. Juanita is looking clearly uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and then Betty's just like, we should be friends again. Give me your number. Let's get lunch. And Juanita's like, I'd rather not, really. Mm-hmm. Um... So she, you know, Betty was totally oblivious to the whole situation until Don was like, you serious? Like, mm-hmm. she's a party girl, she's a hooker, yeah. she's whatever you want to call her, paid company. Mm-hmm. And then Betty's like, oh my, God, so scandalous. Right. And then she goes back home to New York, or upstate New York, where she is now like, she has this fun bit of information she gets to share with Francine. And she's like, Francine, let me tell you. <laughs> and the way she phrases it to Francine is, Don agreed with me. Like right. She had, yeah, that was perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like she had been the one who noticed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And hadn't been completely, but mm-hmm. that like kills me. <laughs> but that that's interesting too, right? Because it's like Betty's naivete I always found kind of interesting because like she is. Yeah. So naive, I think partly because of the age that she's so young and she's lived a very like privileged and cloistered life. Like yeah. she grew up in a wealthy Philadelphia suburb. She went to I think Bryn Mawr. They mm-hmm. say, um, so she comes from money. She's not, like, absorbently rich, but, like, you know, yeah. she for money. Um, <clears throat> and, but the way they talk, they, they're they almost, like, fascinated. They're scandalized, but they're also like, I wonder what that's like. Yeah. Like, I wonder what that's like. It's it's very much like the, um, you know, kind of the bookish girl in mm-hmm. high school goes to college and she's like, I get to have beer now? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do all of yeah. these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's something else Betty says in that moment. Well, she also lies about what happens. She's like, oh, yeah, like, me and Don, like, we didn't have, we didn't have time to watch mm-hmm. the, the Jackie Kennedy thing. It's like, well, you, you did. did, actually. <laughs> You're also lying about that. Um, not, not the most honest person out there. No, 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 no one in that relationship is. Um, when they talk about the Mohawk Airlines thing, Don, you know, he talks about adventure, right? Adventure is the promise of the new. He says he wants to see the city disappearing behind him. He wants something new, and he yeah. thinks that that's what'll get people excited about flying up uh, in Mohawk. But what he ends up concluding will actually make people want it is the idea of coming back to not just the old, but to their children, to youth, right? Mm -hmm. There's almost like a a rejuvenative 
I don't know if that's actually a word, idea of that where it's like leaving and then coming back and seeing almost like, you know, sort of like shedding a skin and then coming back mm-hmm. to see it grow into something uh, young and vibrant and happy and all of that. Yeah. And I think the message of that, so I think the tagline they end up using is like, Daddy, would you bring me? Mm-hmm. As a, to imply that the, you know, the father brought a gift. And it's like taking that rejuvenation and bringing it home and gifting right. it upon others. And bringing them something new. Yes, and bringing them something new. Yeah. Um, when Don and Roger are talking about uh, the whole youth, I keep saying youth movement, but like the, the push to have younger writers, um, Don says that of younger people, he goes, they're not some fresh version of us. They don't know anything, especially that they're young. Kind of this interesting thought of youth, which I think is interesting when you consider the hostile way a lot of the people in the office react to um, the idea of courage that he interviewing especially because like they're not that old either right don's only supposed to be in like his mid 30s mm-hmm. if that probably his early 30s and he's considered you know, he's a, he's a director of creative he's like a senior guy there everyone else can't be much older than like 28 and yet they're being considered they they they're they're kind of reacting like these these youngsters trying yeah. to steal our job right like they, they they feel threatened by that sense of youth and so it just speaks to what don said like youth is Unaware, like I, I, like what makes youth young, the the young young is that they don't know that they're young. They either think they're very experienced or they just don't think about it at all. So I thought that was a really interesting thing. Um, Betty makes the comment, "Can you, you know, ero- well, not erroneously, but she when she misreads the Juanita situation, she says, can you imagine still dating at our age, implying it's a young man or woman's game, even though her age is still twenty-seven? And that kind of speaks again to Don's thing, right? The youth not knowing that they're young, yeah. Betty, still very young." Um, what, what I find so interesting about the Valentine's Day thing is that the whole Don and Betty thing it's like it's very sexy sort of like going to a hotel room she's wearing this fancy lingerie um, and you know there's I feel like almost a sense to like keep it new like Don's mm-hmm. trying to be unpredictable because Francine's like oh yeah like you know that takes thought and she's sort of lamenting how boring her, her night was and I think it's so interesting to compare that to the Campbell's night. They kind of act like an old ornery couple yeah. to each other. Like Pete brings home this one box of chocolates. He just kind of wolfing down the chocolates. And he also brings it home in the the shopping bag. Right, It's right. not like this presentation. He like literally whips mm-hmm. it out of the sh- Like, oh, I just stopped on my way. It's like if you went mm-hmm. to CVS on your way home to get someone a box yeah. of chocolates. And they argue a little bit, and then he could just kind of end slumps, like probably drunk, watching cartoons, right? There's, there's nothing romantic or youthful about that relationship at all. They've, they've kind of settled into this old age without this, this, this sort of old frame of mind. They're not old yet, but yeah, there's just something, there's something that doesn't add up there. The, they're, they're, they're acting too much like they're, they're not their literal parents, but their parents, yeah. you know, royally, I guess. Um, of course, Trudy's desire for a baby, baby's youth, young, mm. new, you know. Just this idea to she she's lacking that newness in her life, which is evident not only by her marriage, which is kind of sparkless, but also the lack of a child. Um, the Jackie Kennedy thing I think is really interesting because you know the Kennedys. Someone says in this was like, oh, you know, think like the president's young, like he has a baby, um, and Jackie Kennedy kind of representing the youngness. You know, she's she was I believe was only in her early thirties when she was first lady. Mm-hmm. Like she was. Like, I think at least five years younger than John Kennedy. 
like pretty young and so and representing kind of like youth and newness um and bringing people into the white house which was this you know 100 year old or at that point like 150 year old a little older than that. Sorry, I'm doing math in my head. You know, this very old building. Michael's not great at math. No, I'm really bad <laughs> at it actually. And showing off all the old furniture um, in it. It's, it's, it's this combination of new and old. And even though she, it doesn't seem like she's actually done anything to the furniture there, like having something, someone new and someone young vouching for mm -hmm. it makes it fascinating. Like Joan and Gregor might be out, and she Joan doesn't really care. She's like, she wants to watch this. Yeah. She wants to watch Jackie Kennedy show these, you know, 100-year-old armoires and stuff. Um, so it's just this interesting collision of, like, the young and the old, the new and the old. Um, uh, broadcast to everyone on TV. And then, of course, that's juxtaposed with Pete watching cartoons, where it's like, even though he acts kind of old, he also acts very young and is very immature. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Harry talks about how things are going to change now that he's going to have a kid. Of course, Harry, his wife's pregnant now, Jennifer. Um, so that's that's a whole other thing. Don't really need to explain that. Um, Francine says that she thinks that the JFK and Jackie relationship is weird and that it was like they were playing house, almost like they were two kids who didn't belong there. Um, they talk about Clearasil and how it appeals to younger girls. Like They're even going to aim for like sixth graders, and they don't even know if sixth graders really use Clearasil, but it doesn't matter. you got to like, hook them while they're young. Um, like cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, people are like, "What's the big deal about these kids?" They're like, they're feeling their their impending obsolescence, right? Um, and I think that's you you can see that I think in the trajectory of the show and just American history in general, right? It's like new ideas come in, and then the old people sort of like spark a reactionary wave to that, so that they don't lose the relevance. Um, talked about the little girl ad. And, you know, Peggy is just kind of this vision of youth and talent, new talent, a sort of father-daughter-like relationship between Don and Peggy. Um, there's not, people act very immaturely about the copy or some photocopies their butt. Oh, yeah. um, when Don is in the, this is a weird scene, when Don is in the elevator and there's two guys talking about... Oh, yeah. Mm, like, you know, hooking up with some chicks in their office and this old woman walks in and is very, like, scandalized and uncomfortable... Um, one of the guys makes a comment like uh, like about some secretary says oh give her three stingers and she's a little girl like get her drunk and she's like a little girl which is a weird thing to say about someone you just had sex with but um, and Don is almost sort of like he takes on the elder will be like hey respect your elders respect this woman put your take your hat off like he, he takes a very fatherly role which comes I think not surprisingly after he suggests the sentimental angle to Peggy yeah um where he's feeling fatherly towards her, and he's feeling this kind of, like, wealth of fatherly pride. Almost having received that valentine from Sally, I think it kind of illustrates how little affection he has in his yeah. life. That that's, that's such a simple gesture, has such a profound impact on him, and kind of changes his, his view of what, of, you know, what's going on in the next few days in his life. Um, when Don comes home, like, he literally eats his child's food. He kind of, like, in you know, infantilize himself a little bit by doing that. Um, and then Sally comes home, he's very excited, show me what you did in ballet, all of that. And then the poem that Don reads at the end, um, I don't have like the full text, I don't even know what it's called, but he says, I want to feel beautiful again and interesting and modern. This idea of, you know, not wanting to be old, wanting to be young and new, 
Don sort of poo-poos the whole thing, but now he realizes, I, I, I want to be that. I, I don't want to give up my youth, which is this great sort of full circle thing, starting out at the doctor's office, beginning to show the signs of age, and ending up with him concluding, like, no, I need to hold on to my youth and all that I have. Anything else? Uh, not with that. I feel like I have more foreshadowing. Okay. This time. Cool. Well, before we do that, let's get to our awards. Uh, the Pete Campbell Memorial Worst of the Week. Who do you have? I think I'll go with Pete. I agree. Yeah. Mm. Just the the image of him pulling the chocolate out of the bag was just, as a woman <laughs> and also as a romantic, heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Like, really, that's what you thought about me? You, on your way home, got, like... Store-bought chocolate, really? Mm-hmm. Like, it's terrible. It's funny, because I, I use Lipsisters.com to, for the synopses. Um, I don't copy them verbatim, but, like, to remind myself what happened. And they sometimes editorialize what happened. And, like, when, when Trudy's like, oh, like, I heard that Jennifer Crane is pregnant. And he goes, impossible. Harry didn't tell me. And they're like, yes, because it's all about you, Pete. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> if you didn't hear it happen, then it didn't, it didn't happen, happen at all. all. Um, that, yeah, just the way he treats Trudy in general... He says, I forgot this part, like, when everybody leaves, when, when like, after, like, I was talking about, like, oh, Harry's wife is pregnant, blah, 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 everyone leaves, and it's just him and Peggy in the office, and he goes, I don't get kids, like, what's the big idea? He's like, do you want to have kids? And he's asked Peggy, and she's like, eh, maybe Sunday, of course, not knowing that she had his child. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, the reason the award's named after him is because he's really bad in the first yeah. few seasons, and the rest of them, too. Um, <laughs> just the whole show. <laughs> I feel like he gets a little better, though. Or you get more used to him. I feel uh, he he runs into more problems. He runs into more problems. I feel like other characters he or other situations usurp mm-hmm. his whateverness, like yeah, his. Yeah. Um, and I think he gets beaten down a little bit by life. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, he gets taught a lesson, but I think ends up in, a, in an overall good place. Yeah. Maybe undeservingly so, but. Yeah, it's a little. Yeah. I mean, I wanted him to be happy. Yeah. I feel like he came from a like. You can. He came from a troubled background. Like yeah. his, he did not come from a healthy family dynamic. Mm-hmm. I would love him to find that. You yeah. Know? Some vague spoilers for for the <laughs> last few seasons. Um, now, Roger Sterling Memorial quote of the week: When when Pete does come home, presents Trudy with this sort of slapdash appreciation of their love, and she, she talks about how Jennifer is pregnant, and she goes, "I saw this dumpy woman on Second Avenue by the Hungarian Market." Her daughter was pushing a little boy in a stroller, and she was round. She was expecting another. She was just buying fruit like it was any other day. And Pete goes, the daughter was pregnant? (laughs) (laughs) And perhaps the most clueless moment in television history. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as bad as he is, he, he did give us the name of our podcast, and he's the image I put for the podcast as well. So he is a great character, even if he's a terrible person. All right, ready to go into foreshadowing? Yeah. I have a top two. Okay. We'll see if I get it. Okay. So my first one is um, the copier. Mm-hmm. It's not the first piece of new technology we see. 
Um, later seasons, a computer comes in, yep. and that is like causes people to go even more wild than the copier. Mm -hmm. You know, body parts get mutilated. You yeah, know? yeah. So that's just like a little inkling into the future, mm -hmm. and then that's um, where people literally go insane. Yeah, people literally <laughs> go insane. Um, and then with what I saw with Peggy and. Was it Lois who was the... Yeah, the new secretary. The new secretary. When she was... When Peggy was very touchy about... Oh, like, you're... Um, what, did, what did you see? What word do you use? Um, like, privacy. Discretion. Discretion. We learn... I don't think we know this yet, but we learn later that Dawn was the only person who came to visit Peggy in the hospital after mm -hmm. she had a kid. And I think that kind of solidified some type of bond. And, mm -hmm. you know... Dawn has not shared that information with anyone else. Mm -hmm. So she, they're now kind of locked in this trusting, mm -hmm. like you don't share information about the other person yeah. kind of mm -hmm. situation. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. But yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, there's some other smaller stuff too and some obvious stuff. Like obviously this is the first time they mentioned Greg, yeah. who Joan will end up marrying and having, well, no. She won't end up having a child with him. She'll have a child with Roger, but he'll think it's his child. It's his child. It's a whole big thing. He, he ends up sucking pretty bad um the, so the uh the title of the episode for those who think young refers to an ad campaign that pepsi had called for those who think young um and they, they mentioned pepsi in this episode like ah, oh, they use people you know the young people are putting on the frosted flakes um yeah that's so gross it's, they're not literally doing it it's, it's a turn of phrase but uh there's a it's actually uh, you know, good. it kind of sets up like the coke thing later in the season which becomes sort of like don's brass ring he's reaching for as far as advertising goes the symbol of like America um, and of course the scene ends the see the show ends with a, sh like a, a snippet of the I'd like to buy the world of coke thing advertisement <clears throat> uh, Don talks about you know the city disappearing behind him of course foreshadowing his adventures later in the season he really really wants to get out of New York even though he won't let himself um, air travel Mohawk Airlines that'll become a big thing um, especially uh you know, there will be conflict later when they try to leave Mohawk for, I think, American? I think so. Um, or, like, U.S. American, yeah. It's not Pan Am. No, it's not, I don't think it's Pan Am. Um, for American Airlines, um, which becomes a whole big conflict between Don and Duck. Um, and, of course, there, there is an episode, I think it is this season, where uh, Don and Sal kind of seduce two airline stewardesses on a mm -hmm. trip to Baltimore. Why you're flying from New York to Baltimore, I have no idea, but whatever. Um, because they had the advertising money. I, I guess so. Arrive and stop. I never even thought about that. Yeah. Um, maybe Amtrak wasn't, like, built yet. Or, like, that that particular, like, the Northeast Corridor. Yeah. I, I don't actually know. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I, I mentioned sort of, like, Sal asking where Jay, or where's her husband when Jackie shows up. Um Someone referred to uh, Duck's, one of Duck's speeches as one of Duck's Scoutmaster talks, which I forget, Lou, who's a creative director, and I think the very last season um, will end up selling yeah. a comic strip called Scout's Honor, where yeah. it's, I think it's a duck, or it's like a beaver or something, some cartoon character yeah. who's like a Boy Scout, basically, he ends up selling it to a Japanese animation studio, and like gets super rich, or he's gonna get super rich. Um, so I thought that was kind of funny. But, like, the idea of, like, oh, the perfect Boy Scout being the authority figure and all, like, the, the hippies who, you know, yeah. are contemptuous of that. Um, with Betty, 
this is not the first time she decides to get a little flirty. She has um, an affair here and there throughout the upcoming seasons. There's that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's true. <laughs> she has actually many, many situations. Ah! So she has that guy in the bar. Yeah. Um, and then, well, later, I don't remember she has an affair with Henry before they get married. They have flirtation. They, they don't consummate it. They have flirtation. But she, she's, like, very adamant that, like, no, we have to do this, like, right. Yeah. We have to get a divorce in Nevada. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, but then she cheats on him with Don at least once. Uh, yeah, once. Twice. Yeah, yeah, once. Okay, once. Mm-hmm. So, I forgot about that. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, someone, uh, Ken actually says that, like, they're talking about, like, how, how after du- Duck's been, and Ken's like, you know... Draper's got a rope around Duck's neck, and when he, he, he acts up too much, he'll just kind of stamp his foot. Duck will not end up with a literal rope around his neck, but um, a yet-to-be-introduced character, Lane Price, will. will end up hanging himself in the fifth season. Yes. Um, there's a whole do you want to have kids exchange between Pete and Peggy, obviously. Pete ends up having kids, Peggy has that his kid. It's not really foreshadowing. Um... And apparently, so, um, the drug that Don is prescribed, phenobarbital, bertabol, I'd probably screw that up, whatever, whatever he's uh, prescribed, I, I found this out reading, um, Nadman Carousel, Maslow Sites' book, is the same thing he will be drugged with when he gets mugged in that one episode. He, like, picks up hitchhikers. Oh, and they they end up like like drugging him and like robbing and like yeah. they punch him in the face or whatever and they drug him with that. Oh, interesting. Um, it's blood pressure medication. No, no, but it's he, exactly this, the one for like roulette. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, that's it for foreshadowing, I guess. Cool. Any final thoughts? I don't think so. Me neither. I do have a random final thought. Okay. So, obviously, we're watching Mad Men, and there's a show on Netflix called uh, Mindhunter, which is about ser- uh, the first sort of team of FBI agents to interview serial killers to build like a psychological profile to use to predict, you know, serial killer behaviors, catch serial killers, blah blah blah. And so that takes place in like the early '80s. And I realized that I find the idea of a workplace without computers incredibly soothing. Like, the idea of people just, like, slapping paper down on desks and, like, typewriters in the background. Like, there's something, and, like, and just being able to, like, do work and not be bothered unless it's someone walking up up to you in person is very appealing to me. As someone who had a really stressful week at work, (laughs) if I didn't receive any of the emails I received and people had to come to me to talk to, oh, that'd be Mm, so great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I could be like, well, this thing you want me to do is literally going to burn two hours of my day, then okay, fine. Just know it takes that long. Yeah. I think I'd have to do a lot more of the stupid stuff that would burn two hours of my day. <laughs> so, yeah. Random thoughts. Um, Man, and if people who sat behind you didn't email you to contact you, but actually <laughs> talk to you, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Be a game changer. Anyway. I just Slack them instead because we have Slack. Um, We're not allowed to use Slack. Mm. Because they're afraid... Look at this, parallel to my life. The, the company I contract at is afraid of the youth. 
So <laughs> I'm a threat to them. <laughs> We've come full circle. We've come full circle. Um, thanks so much for listening. <laughs> like I said, I'm Mike Levito. You can follow me at Twitter at mlevito. Um, on Letterbox at Ameramike. I'm Kathleen Lovito, and you can find me on Instagram at, at Rise to the Sun, Poetry Every Day. Yeah, um, you can find both of our writings on thepostwriter.com. You can also listen to us on the Real Life Oscar Challenge, which we do with my roommate Lars. Um, that, along with a thing like that, is on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts. Um, special thanks to lipsisters.com and Maslow Sites is Madman Carousel for giving us some help as we write these episodes. I think I should start shouting them out in episodes now because I do reference them a bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's it. That's all we gotta say. Um, I don't. I never write these things down because I, I usually just remember it. But I screwed up in our last Oscar episode. I, f- I forgot a key part in the ending. So uh, I forgot to say we were gonna watch in the next episode. Oh my goodness. It's, it's, it's important that people did you know. Did you record one of those I things? I did, like, yes. Yeah. I recorded a, a little... Hey, edit. this is Mike coming to you. <laughs> I did, yes. Yes, I did. Um, anyway, uh, thanks a lot for listening. And this Valentine's Day, just do a little something more than chocolates, but maybe not as big as the Savoy. You'll figure it out. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Goodbye.